Hi friends, welcome to the Gritty and Curious podcast. I'm your host, Austin Schlesinger, the founder of Gritty and Curious, where we are on a mission to give people the inspiration, knowledge, and network to start their next venture. If you're unfamiliar with what we do, we help people become creators by helping them start their own blogs, vlogs, or podcasts. We do this through the Gritty and Curious community. Here, we give you one-on-one mentorship and guidance and immerse you in a community of aspiring creators. It's something that we just started. We have around seven people that are currently in it right now. But if you're interested in joining, shoot me a message on LinkedIn. You can find a link to my LinkedIn in the show notes. My guest today is the gritty, curious, and enthusiastic John Rondi. He is the founder of the Stunited app, the 2018 NJ Tech Innovator to Watch, and he's my friend. I met John a few years ago when I was starting my mobile app, my napkin, if you guys remember that, and we've kind of been in contact ever since. But anyway, today we talk about how to turn your app idea into reality, how to develop an app as someone who is non-technical. This is something that I struggled with and John did as well. So we talk about that a little bit. We talk about strategies and techniques on how to grow a mobile app. John was very effective at doing this by going to other universities, going on a college tour. So look for that in the show. We also talk about the first step in developing a mobile app. I get this question a lot. People ask, how do I start a mobile app? I have a great idea. We talk about that. We talk about the future of of education. Then we also talk about what John would have done differently had he been able to start over. So lots of interesting stuff. And it was a very insightful conversation. And I'm very excited to share it with you all. So let's get right into it. Yeah. So uh, obviously, my name is John Rondi. I'm the creator, founder of Studenited. Um, you know, I, I guess I could start by giving you the rundown of the story. Um, so when I was a sophomore in college back at Rowland, this was sort of the, you know, the light bulb went off my head. I had this idea where I was up trying to write a paper one night, was really struggling, didn't really know what else to do. I couldn't reach out to my professor because it was too late. I couldn't find the help online. Um, so what I did was I reached out to my friend from across the hall and explained to her this sort of predicament that I was in. And I said to her, look, I'm not a strong writer. You're not so good at math. You know, and let me help you with your math assignment if you help me with this writing assignment because she happened to be a good writer at the time. Um, and she loved this idea because now she was doing something she was good at and enjoyed. And I liked the idea for the same reason. But it wasn't long until I started to realize that, number one, I was doing this pretty often, you know, sort of bartering my academic skills. And I then realized that I wasn't the only one. You know, th- th- this was a pretty common trend that most students did whether it was bartering a skill for a skill, whether it was charging you know, money for an assignment, whether it was paying money for an assignment, this is what students did to find that help on a pretty regular, you know, pretty regular basis. Um, and I wanted to simplify that process. You know? So I guess from that moment, I thought of this idea of almost having like a dating app for academics, you know, where, where students can match and connect with one another based upon what they were good at in school and what they need to help them. You know, so I took this little idea, like the, the Tinder for tutoring, I guess you can call it, um, and entered my school's business model competition, uh, I guess the following year, and ended up winning that, which is really cool. Gave me some confidence, gave me some startup cash to do what I needed to do. Um, ended up developing the app, like a very bare bones MVP, um, minimum viable, viable product, just to get the name out there um, and the brand out there, just to see what the feedback was like. 
Uh, we then launched the app in August of 17 and took that initial year, just to, like I said, you know, get our feet wet and, and really understand if we have something here. Um, and we ended up generating, you know, nothing crazy, about like 10,000 downloads and I think we had about 3,500 profiles created. So again, we weren't scaling to say the least, but it was definitely beneficial for us so number one, understand that, okay, our, our, our marketing tactics are working and we have something going here. You know, we have an inkling of an idea that if we do continue with development and we really build this thing out, it can prove out viable. Um, so that was really cool to see. We then took the next year after that, we went a couple of different approaches. And, you know, as you sort of know, you have to make these pivots and adjustments to your business model and to the business itself. And um, we went in directions that maybe weren't the best for us and we had to sort of get back to our roots. And so now what we're trying to accomplish today um, with our second version of the app itself is, you know, getting back to the premise behind the app, you know, and, and the whole purpose behind this is to find that quick and easy academic help in ways that you want to as a student. You know, so we like to say we aren't trying to change the way students behave. We're simply trying to make their lives easier. Um, and so however we have to do that, that's what we're going to do. Um, and if the app has to change in a couple months from now, in a year from now, then so be it. But we have to really stay on top of you know, what works best and what doesn't. Yeah, and that's definitely something, you know, you tell the story that you were, you were writing a paper and you needed help and you're, you're looking around and you're trying to find someone who's good at doing this kind of stuff because everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. And especially in college when you're doing you have so many different assignments and everything. You need to turn to people for that kind of help. So something that you mentioned before that I want to touch on is you develop this minimum viable product and some people don't understand what that is and kind of what that looks like. What did, yeah. what was the MVP of United look like? What did it look like? Yeah. So, and, and honestly, when I was starting this whole thing out, I, I didn't know these things either. Um, now looking back, I realized that it was just an MVP. And so what that looked like was very bare bones framework. Um, the app itself didn't look crazy nice or aesthetically pleasing, but it had a card stack for you to swipe right on profiles you like and left on the ones you dislike. Um, the algorithm was pretty basic. So I think it just showed you um, the students that were closer to you from a distance perspective and then sort of titrated out from there. Um, and then, yeah, you were able to message these people. Again, the, the functionality of the messaging didn't work all the time. And sometimes you'd get a notification, other times you wouldn't. Um, so again, the, the entire purpose of this was when you're sort of tight on cash and I can't afford to build out a more robust platform, I want to start somewhere. And like I said, sort of gather feedback and then build off of that. Um, so yeah, it, it, again, it, it wasn't terrible. And I was actually pretty happy with um, what the outcome was. And then so were students, which was really good to see um, because it's like, yeah, you need a balance, right? I couldn't show a student a shitty product and expect them to, you know, understand my vision. But at the same time, I couldn't afford, nor did I even know where I wanted to go and go um, in the first couple of months. So, you know, again, it was, it was, it was a pretty good place for us to start. So are you a, a technical guy? Like what did your, what your team look like? How did you develop this thing? Nah, man. So I'm not. So that's the worst fucking part is like when you have when you have an idea of what you want to do and you have zero technical background and you have to now trust in these developers or engineers to I, I like to call like painting a picture that's inside your head for somebody else. Right. So I'm relaying information to a developer 
and I have to trust in him to make the product that I see in my mind. Um, so in the beginning, we actually outsourced to a dev shop um, in Brooklyn, who I then think just, you know, outsourced their work overseas or whatever it was and upcharged me a shit ton. But again, that's another story for another time. Um, and I won't even mention the name because it's not, uh, not important. But anyway, so they built that app. I, I did have some issues, but at the end of the day, like I said, they did. Um, and you have the resources to, the, like, to invest in it. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That, that's the that's the that's the shitty part of things just the reality of it right like a lot of people this is not the business that you get into if you want to start at you know extremely inexpensive right because you're going to have to either pay somebody to develop your work or you're going to have to you know find somebody that's willing to do it for free which is extremely rare nowadays but if you can you know that that is the optimal approach exactly so now i kind of want to transition into the app development process and what what that kind of looks like and what you would, what advice you would give to somebody who has this next big idea and they want to turn it into reality. So the first question is, what is the first step to making an app? Yeah. So I, and me personally, right? Like when you're, I guess the CEO of of what you're trying to accomplish here, you have to, you know, they always say you have to wear many hats and you have to do everything. Me personally, I'm a, I, I love product development. Like I love seeing you know, what the end user is going to touch and make sure that looks incredible, make sure it functions the way you want it to. So I think the first step should always be, you have this idea, let's, let's just say, let's focus on apps right now. You have an idea for an app. You really have to make sure that you wireframe this thing out and you mock up every screen that you want in, right? Because again, the issue that lies within the translation between you and the idea and the development is you may think or assume something is going to function a specific way, but if you don't write it out and then code it out, it's not going to look and, and function the way you want it to, right? So for example, if you don't, you, you have to really make sure that your wireframe is extremely detailed. So if you have one homepage with three different buttons, where are those buttons taking you, right? And so when you're on that next page, what buttons do you now see? And if you click on that button, where do you go? Where's the profile button? Where's the settings button? Where can you save your work and where can you log out? Like these are so many different things that are often overlooked because you don't think about them. Because and I think the biggest issue is that we are on apps every single day that we don't think anything of, but in reality, there are millions and millions of dollars and millions of hours spent on development, right? On Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. We use these things on an everyday basis. We don't really understand how hard that thing was to build. Um, so I think diving really, really deep into how you want the app to not only look but function is pretty crucial before you start anything. Yeah, I like what you said about we use these apps every single day and we literally take them for granted. But yeah, man. the amount, dude, the amount of money that these companies spend on testing and like the the psychology that goes on in your mind about okay, I'm my eyes are being drawn to this button and this color does this and like all of the the thinking that goes into that we don't even think about it and especially from uh you know like a an idea perspective and the first step of making an app it's so crucial to to start thinking about these things especially like right off the bat yeah i mean and you mentioned psychology and i think that's so fucking interesting you know interesting it's like what goes in because like you said it's it's the subconscious mind that you're on an app and what attracts you to a specific action right because that's the goal right you, you every 
every gamified app has some sort of action and sort of accomplishment that you can now achieve. Um, and you may not even know it, right? Maybe clicking a button and submitting an assignment is your goal achieved. But to get you to that place, what do I have to do within the app to walk you through it that feels very seamless? And so I, I love how you mentioned that because that's like my favorite part when we can really start to pipeline out the workflow um, for the end user without them even knowing it. You know, I think that's where you've hit a, a sort of success metric. Exactly. So I want to go back to your mock-up and prototype. What tools did you use initially to create that mock-up? So, yeah, initially, right, like three years ago when I really didn't know what was going on, I had, uh, I put a lot of trust in other people, which is, you know, good or bad or whatever it was. And so the team that I worked with actually helped me mock up and wireframe a ton of different, um, uh, I guess, like different we had one gigantic wireframe and then they also mocked up different screens and what they would look like. So they did do a really, really nice job with that. Um, now me and my team, we use um, Adobe XD for the most part. It's pretty easy to use. Um, and, and like you said, you can sort of drag and drop different faces of the app as well as like you literally put like a line, so to speak, where if you were to click on this button, where would it drag you? Um, so, it, you know, sort of connect the dots, so to speak. So I would definitely recommend um, you know, using Adobe when you can. Gotcha. And then also what was the app development process like from a communication standpoint with the developers? Like how, how frequently did you communicate? What did testing look like? What was, what was that like? So, and this is where I think I messed up the biggest was there were, we went through like phases, right? So there would be some times where we would speak on an everyday basis. And then other times we, we, we would talk and communicate, but we wouldn't really dive into details for like a month, right? And then we would hit a, a, a point where, you know, maybe a potential partner reached out to us and said, hey, I want to see something by next week or so. And now you're scrambling around to get things done um, the night of, and it's just, that's not how you want to operate. So right now we're actually going through um, a pretty crucial time with everything going on with this whole pandemic and online learning. So we need our app to be in a position where it actually works right? Improves viability for not only the students, but for, like I said, potential partnerships and investors and all that good stuff. So um, like I said, we, we took off a lot of time and we probably shouldn't have. So now this past month has been just chaotic because there's so many different things going on um, that it's, 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 it's in a really, really good spot right now. And we're finally starting to uh, have the ability to breathe a little bit. But if we didn't do that, we would have had so much more time to create something that we really wanted to um, as opposed to rushing. So now what I would definitely suggest is, you know, keep communication, whether it's if you have to pay, um, if you're paying a developer, some sort of retainer agreement, um, whatever you can afford, but just make sure that you're doing something on an everyday basis and you're constantly checking in to see if bugs are fixed or to see if the app is working the way you want it to work and things like that. So, um, you know, that'd be my uh, number one tip, I guess. So since you talked about communication and keeping that communication up between developers and, and you, yeah. what would you do differently if you can go back in time when you were a sophomore and you first initially came up with this idea? Oh man, what would I do different? So I, I, if, if I found, you know, if I wasn't, if I wasn't working with the dev shop that I was working with and I sort of found guys, uh, you know, like I said, they were out of college and similar to my age and, and had the same vision that I did. Um, I would be treating this, you know, so what I did right and what I did wrong, what I did right was uh, we had a really, really good approach at establishing some sort of hype 
around the idea and around the brand, right? So like we, you know, you and I have talked about, I've gone, you know, on the college tours and I was throwing parties and getting in front of these college students at the frats and the sororities doing what I can to get the name out there, which was great. And it seemed to be working. The only thing that I didn't do was I didn't take that feedback quick enough and react to it, right? So I didn't necessarily change what I wanted to change fast enough. So the feedback was great and the data we collected was great, but if you're not going to do anything with it, it's sort of useless. Um, so what I would have done is I would have sort of took this thing in stages where I would, you know, do some sort of sprint of marketing for a month or so, collect some feedback, maybe pump the brakes a little bit, um, redevelop the app, send it back out there and just understand if what we did worked, you know, if the, if the changes we made were successful or unsuccessful, and then repeat that process over and over again until we were in a really, really good position to eventually scale what we call an actual working product. So what was it like being at college? You're developing this app, you're out marketing it and everything. People are asking you about it. Elaborate a little bit on your, your college experience and how Student United has kind of affected that. Yeah, man. So so I, I started this. Let me try to let me think of so I guess I, I won I won the business model competition April of my junior year. So I really, you know, my senior year was pretty much the only year that was affected. You know, I guess I didn't, I didn't rush um, for a fraternity that I was going to junior year, but that's not, you know, a huge deal. But anyway, uh, senior year was really just dedicated and devoted to student United. So I think what comes with that is every time that I was at a function or an event or at a party, I was sort of associated with that brand, you know, like, oh, that's the United kid, if you didn't know me, um, which I was completely cool with. But at the same time, it's a burden, right? Because now you have this on your back. And if the app doesn't look right or doesn't function right, you can sometimes take it personal, which I think is the biggest downfall for most entrepreneurs to get way too sort of self-conscious because it's almost like you're right. So um, that definitely was impactful. And you had to sort of sometimes just say, fuck it, right? Like I would go to a college that I didn't know anybody and I would start to set up a table at a party and people would be like, who the fuck is this kid? You know, like, who does he think he is coming to my party in my house um, and, and handing out hot dogs or handing out t-shirts like he owns the place. And it's like, so I had to balance out being number one, excited to be there because then they sort of feel that energy, but being, you know, open to the feedback and, and, and aware that, Hey, look, the app isn't where it needs to be, but I want to hear what you have to say um, and, and being open to that. So, that worked out pretty well. Um, again, it is, it is nerve wracking in the beginning and going places you're going to get judged for what you're doing because it is different than what most people are doing. But if you can accept that fact and keep moving forward, you're in a, you're in a good spot. That's something that I can definitely relate to because when I was developing napkin and I was trying to get it out to people, I was doing the same thing. I was at parties with banners, with t-shirts, with hats yeah, man. <laughs> and dude, like you're, you're labeled as that kid. Like you're, that's the napkin kid. And it's tough because like you went through a lot to develop this thing. It's your baby and people are talking, talking about it and kind of labeling you and it's tough. And like, that's why I wanted to ask you because this is something I definitely struggled with when I was developing this thing and it's hard, like it, it can get to you. Oh, hundred percent, man. And, and look, in the beginning, before someone sees your product, the problem is nowadays it's very common to have quote unquote ideas so to differentiate yourself, you know, differentiate yourself between the guy that has an idea and the guy that has a legitimate business, 
in the beginning, it's hard. Like you don't even know if you are that guy, but you're going to these, you know, because everyone else is doing the same thing you are. They're setting up the tables, they're promoting their business, they're doing what they can to get the name out there. And so you're going to get shit on in the beginning. So I guess the, the test of time is just being able to weather the storm, prove out your idea. And, and, you know, in a month's time when you're still there, people start to give you credit and they start to ask questions and they want to sort of support you and be part of the team. And, you know, that's a really, really good feeling when you start to see that. Exactly. So what has, you touched on this a little bit, but what has been the most rewarding part of being a business owner and developing your own app? Um, I think when I see somebody, I guess there's a couple of things, right? When I see somebody that approaches me and says, Hey, I checked out your app and I really enjoyed it. Or, Hey, I actually found help and it's working. Um, that is rewarding in itself. I also think when people just call you or shoot you a message and say, Hey, I really love what you're doing. Or, Hey, if I was still in college, I would use this. So they sort of resonate with your vision too. That's really cool. Right. And that means you're doing your job correctly. I also think it's rewarding when people tell you no in the beginning, but you sort of stay persistent until they reach a point where they don't say no. And they say maybe, or they say yes. Um, and I'm sort of referring to either potential business partners or investors. And so ch- changing their mind, so to speak, is very hard to do. So when you do it, it's incredibly satisfying. Um, and, and I think there's also a point where you hit, it's almost like a point of no return, I like to call it, where in the very beginning, you have these ups and downs and the downs almost kill you or more often than not, they do kill you and you sort of stop what you're doing. Um, so when you hit a point where it doesn't matter how high you get or how low you get, you know, you're going to keep moving forward. That's a really good feeling too. Um, and I'm actually, you know, I, I've been at that point for, I guess, six months to a year now where you could tell me whatever you want to tell me, I'm not going to stop doing this until it hits a point of success or until I feel like we have done everything that we can. Um, so yeah, I, I think, and I don't even think I've hit, you know, my most satisfying moments yet because we are nowhere near where we want to be. And I know that's on the brink of, you know, in, in the next semester, I do predict this becoming a pretty substantial part of the common student's lifestyle. Um, and I think at that point is going to be extremely rewarding for us. So I'm definitely excited about uh, what's to come here. So you touched on something saying that one of the most rewarding things is when you see someone you know, using the application and they're happy with it and they shoot you a message and um, they're just satisfied with it. And they're, they're also, you know, they're inspired by what you're doing. And I can definitely say that I'm inspired by what you're doing. And I love to see, you know, people putting themselves out there and building things and following what they, what they believe in. And that's like one of the reasons I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about this because like you're doing big things and I think that you have a great story and you could definitely inspire a lot of people. Uh, th- thank you, man. Again, like even you saying something like that, it's just, I, I appreciate that so much. And I think a lot of times people don't realize how much that helps, you know, especially in the beginning, if you know somebody that's trying to do something or it's your friend and, and, and to be really honest, it's hard, right? It's hard to get that support because it's almost like it's a weird it's it's a weird sense of you like almost have to hate on something that's new, right? You always you always look at the downside of a wife not going to work for somebody else, but really, really try to dig deep and, and support your friends and support the people that are trying to do these sort of things because you can save them from stopping, right? And they hit the point where, wow, because of you, I was able to move forward. 
Um, and even what you're doing right now, man, with this podcast, you're helping out people not only learn from others, but you're helping inspire the individuals that you're having on the uh, podcast itself. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing too, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, so no another, another thing that you mentioned was your vision with Stunited and in relation to what's going on in the world today and kind of how that has affected where you're going to go. So mm-hmm. what was your vision prior to the pandemic and how has the pandemic impacted where you're going to take or what your next steps are? Yeah. So this is, this is actually pretty interesting, man. So it, like I said, in the beginning, we focused on just getting our MVP out there. And it was like, the, you know, like I said, the Tinder for tutoring. When we started to find that that wasn't working as well as we wanted it to, we started to transition or pivot into, you know, a more of a B2B sell. And our B2B sell was to the schools themselves. And what we said to them was, look, we have a platform that can help retain your students and keep them in their seats by allowing them to learn the way they want to learn. And what we can do is we can start collecting some really beneficial user data so you can better understand your students and, you know, this, that, and whatever. We had all these great selling points. And um, to be honest, it was enticing for some, but there was a lot of concerns about security and how the app is going to function and, you know, what if students start to cheat. And so I found myself sort of, you know, trying to shove ourselves in a hole that we didn't fit in, so to speak. And we were changing the way we wanted to approach the app and the way the app was going to function. Um, and so I think when this whole you know, COVID situation hit and these schools started to bail out, we had a lot of schools that were willing to sign contracts um, you know, at, at a pretty big size, which is also the other enticing part was, oh my God, people are going to pay us this much money to do what we're already doing um, and help us promote and whatever it was. And when they started to bail out because of this and they had to focus their budget on other things, it was almost a blessing in disguise, you know, and I realized that I want to give back to my roots. And like I mentioned before, create something that truly helps the student the way I want to help these students. Um, and I sort of relate it to like an Uber or an Airbnb where, you know, carpooling existed, Uber makes it easier. Or, you know, renting out a house existed, Airbnb made it easier. Um, academic bartering exists, United is going to make it easier. You know, so I don't want to um, create something that doesn't need to be created. And I felt like that's what we were doing when we were selling it to schools. But I'm much more confident now that because I can do sort of whatever I want in terms of creating something that's actually going to be used um, the way students want to use it, you know, we're going to have a much greater chance of uh, scaling. So just from seeing you on social media, you've, you've talked to elementary school students, middle school, high school, any like multiple types of students where do you think is the most potential for United right now? That, that's such an interesting question, man, because I started in college simply because I was in college, but there is no reason why this can't become a tool for high schoolers to either connect with other high schoolers or to connect with college students. Um, like for example, if you are a senior in high school and you're looking to go to Rowan um, and you're on an app that now allows you to connect with Rowan students and sort of learn how it is to become a Rowan student and, and what, the, what the lifestyle is like and things like that, you're getting your feet wet, which I think is, uh, you know, I think it's pretty crucial for these, these high school seniors that you don't normally get to have that. So if we can provide that, you know, them a tool to do that virtually, um, we do have something there as well. But even if you dive a little bit deeper and, and go down to middle school, elementary school, and you get the parents involved 
with allowing the students to either connect with one another or parents to parents. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. Right now, I want to hyper focus on you know the college kids, prove out value there, and then you know ex- expand accordingly. So something that's super interesting that you touched on before is using student data. And something I just thought of is, you know, students are much more likely to talk to other students about their struggles and ask other students for advice. A lot of times they're not going directly to their parents or they're not going directly to their teacher because they don't want to be judged or labeled as, as something. And they'd much rather reach out to their, their peers and kind of like, you know, share what's going on. And something that's something that's interesting is, you know, how are you going to, how do you plan on using that kind of data to build Stunited? I love that you mentioned that because what we like to say too is as a byproduct of this platform is we're removing the stigma of needing help, right? Because like you said, I was the same way. I didn't want to admit that I needed to go to a tutor. I didn't want to schedule the appointment. It was an inconvenience. I didn't want people to look down at me. Um, and even the, even the professor, I didn't want her or him to judge me for not understanding the topic. So this environment allows you to, you know, transparently say, hey, I'm, I, I'm sucking in this, society, or in this class right now and I don't know what else to do. Can somebody else help me? And when you have 20, 30 other students saying, hey, me too, I don't know what's going on or what can I do to help myself, you feel much more comfortable about yourself, right? So um, I, I love that you said that. And so the way we can learn is not necessarily where we'd be sending your data to somebody else. What we want to do is, again, we want the workflow to be as seamless as possible, right? So if we are finding that students are spending X amount of time on a specific page and they're getting stuck or hung up on how to create a proposal or how to submit an assignment to somebody else, we need to make that process simpler, right? Or maybe we can start sending in survey questions saying, hey, we noticed that you um, you know, we noticed that you said that you were a two out of five in your writing skills a year or a month has gone by. What are you at now? Right. If you said that you're a three or a four, we cannot track what you have done in the app itself to increase that learning. And now we have that data. We can now push the newer users in the same direction that you went into or vice versa. Right. If you're getting worse for whatever reason, we can deter people from uh, going down that path. So I think it's a lot about just learning from the end user and making that workflow easier for the next user to come. Listen, man, you're an inspiration for anybody who wants to turn their (laughs) ideas into, into reality for anybody that wants to turn what they're thinking into something tangible. What's like a last piece of advice that you give to somebody? I just like keep going. You know what I mean? Like as, as, as cliche as that is, I don't claim to know everything. I think that's the biggest downfall of, of most entrepreneurs our age is they like to pretend because you know we are young and inexperienced and they still like to pretend like they're not but in reality you can't fake that right? you can't fake experience and if people were to ask me hey are you an expert in this no i'm not an expert in anything and so i'm extremely open to learning from other people and just taking it day by day right i know the app isn't where it needs to be at this moment um but i know it's getting there right and so if i if i set specific milestones that i want to hit and I feel achieved and that's, then that's a win for me, you know? So just keep taking it step by step and you'll soon realize and look back and be like, Holy shit, look what I've been able to do. Um, so it's just, it's more about persistence and patience than anything else. Um, and I was having this conversation 
I know it's a sort of long-winded answer, but I was having this conversation the other day and I was saying it, it's way more important to have patience than passion when you're doing something like this, right? Because anyone can have passion for a month or so, um, but only select few can have the patience to sort of weather the storm and make it through until you hit a point of, of true success, right? So if I stopped and quit when I wanted to, um, I probably wouldn't be here today. So just have the patience to keep moving. So if listeners want to get in contact with you to ask any questions or anything, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, I'm pretty active on pretty much all social medias, Instagram, um, Snapchat. So, I mean, at, at John Rondi or I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can just type in John Rondi. Um, my email, rondi.john at studentnitedapp.com. Uh, that's S-T-U-N-I-T-E-D-A-P-P.com. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty open to speak to anybody. I love when people reach out to me about different ideas. Um, again, I don't claim to be an expert, but I'll give you as, as, as transparent, as raw feedback as I possibly can. And I want to see people succeed as well. So anything I could do to help, I would uh, love to do that. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best with everything. All right, bro. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This has been the Gritty and Curious podcast. Gritty and Curious is a podcast that gives you the inspiration, knowledge, and network to start your next venture. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd be the best if you subscribed, left a rating, and wrote a quick review. By doing these things, you let me know that you are listening and it inspires me to keep creating. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.